The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. How would you like to be able to heal yourself? To really learn how to enhance your body's natural ability to heal. Stick around this hour. I have an amazing guest and we're really going to dig into how we can heal ourselves. RJ Spina is a metaphysical teacher who has an incredible story to share. In 2016, he was paralyzed from the chest down, requiring a life-saving surgery, and he was also deathly ill with a rare staph infection that compressed his spinal cord. In his new book, Supercharged Self-Healing, he shares his story of how he was able to access high-frequency states of consciousness to be able to rejuvenate and repair his body. This is some incredible stuff we're going to be digging into today. RJ, welcome to the show. Really glad you could talk to us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. In the book, you say that you're teaching higher consciousness directed self-healing. So some people might be thinking, what? <laughs> what is that? Can So can you explain that a little bit just to start off? Sure. Yeah. So maybe the simplest way in a, in a little in a sentence or two is that there's been countless studies about meditation in terms of how meditation actually changes and repairs our DNA. It improves uh, your cells there. I mean, it speeds up healing. It only stands to reason that deeper, more powerful meditation when done properly will only greatly enhance the efficacy of healing. And that's essentially what I captured in the healing technique in the book where I was able to do that and overcome permanent paralysis and uh, severe chronic illness. It, it's pretty incredible. And I have, I have read some of those studies where you can actually shrink your amygdala with meditation. So I'm really interested to dig into this. And I want people to understand what position that you were in when you came across this healing technique, because you were really sick. I mean, you've talked about it on YouTube. I watched some of your videos and you go into it in the book, and it seems kind of unbelievable that you know someone could heal from such severe injuries and illness. So just tell us what what you were dealing with at that point. Sure. Yeah, it was it was definitely extreme for sure. Um, I was permanently or diagnosed as permanently uh, paralyzed from the chest down. So I had no I had no functionality or sensation from from my chest down. I was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto autoimmune disease, severely, uh, thyroiditis, uh, pancreatitis, and also something called autonomic dysreflexia, which can happen to paraplegics and quadriplegics when, when the spinal injury is above T6. 
And my, my major injury was T7 and T8. So autonomic dysreflexia is, it greatly affects the autonomic system. Things like your breathing, your pulse, your heart rate, your body temperature, these things literally go absolutely haywire. They're no longer regulated, so to speak. Like we don't have to concentrate to like keep our body temperature normal, it just happens, or our heart rate. So autonomic dysreflexia, a lot of paraplegics and quadriplegics actually die from complications of this. So that was just one of the many treats that I was I was dealing with at the time. So there was, it was a litany of things um, that are quite severe. Uh, obviously, I was told that getting better really from any of those things, you don't really get better. At best, you can manage them at best through obviously constant uh, medication. And clearly, until now, there was no cure for paralysis at all. So uh, there was <laughs> there was a lot for me to work with. My body didn't work really at all uh, in any way. And but the interesting thing is, Diane, is that when I had the surgery, I had a life-saving surgery because the sepsis was rampant; it was throughout my body. I was pro- probably literally near death. And when I woke up, literally from surgery, I had awakened. Uh, authentic cosmic consciousness. And I remembered how healing works. And I used to say, with, to give it some context, as a little kid, I used to say, if I ever get sick, I'll just heal myself. And so I, I knew I could do it. If you would have asked me then, how do you do it? I would have said, I don't know. But I felt it inside that I was capable of doing this. I knew it was in me. I didn't know how to bring it out. But of course, when the need had arisen, um, I literally remembered what to do. And I started telling the ICU nurse, I told everyone that I would heal myself. And I explained in great detail how to do it. And I knew no one was going to believe that I was going to be able to do this. I knew I was going to do it. So I literally, there's a video uh, on my website that's time stamped, So you can actually see the process of me unparalyzing myself. And I told everyone on the hundredth day, I would walk unassisted and exactly on the hundredth day, I walked unassisted. That's pretty incredible. Do you think that from the experience that you went through, just having such intense physical disabilities and the paralysis could be described as a peak experience that may have activated that ability that you had all along? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's absolutely right because it was a knowingness as a kid because it's kind of a bizarre thing to say if I ever get sick, I'll just heal myself. You know, kind of, who kind of says that? It's, it's odd. And uh, I think the, the remembrance occurred as you described it. When I woke up from surgery, I literally remembered everything. I knew exactly how to do it. And I explained it in detail. Um, so yeah, it was, it was the experience itself. I gave myself a great challenge, obviously permanent paralysis and, and literally my body being destroyed. But it, it came back to me in an instant, as soon as I had awakened, as soon as the um, anesthesia wore off, I literally started telling the ICU nurse, I'm going to heal myself and here's how I'm going to do it. So yeah, it, the experience itself brought it, brought the remembrance to the forefront of my conscious mind. Right. Or activated that in some way. I think that's so fascinating. I was doing a little research, like kind of Googling, you know, spontaneous remissions Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. how many times people it's happened. I mean, there's, there's documented evidence of, of remissions of things of tumors shrinking or disappearing in cancer patients. I mean, it's, it's rare. I think I read it was 25 people per year, which is a really small number considering like 
you know, over a million people are diagnosed with cancer annually, but there are documented cases. So, I mean, there's, there's proof and, and existence that we can do this, right? And this is also something like if you look back historically on ancient civilizations, like how people were able to heal, and you write about this in the book, you know, we can get into that as well. Um, but also when you're talking about as a child, that having these kind of experiences to you was commonplace as far as being able to kind of leave leave your body in a meditative state, which I'm sure most kids are not even really aware of that at all. But you you were able to recognize that at an early age. Yeah, it was it was natural. It wasn't an effort. It wasn't uh, like a, a conscious thing that I was trying to achieve. I would literally just sort of lie down to go to sleep and kind of just as you're drifting and about to fall asleep, I would be outside of my body. And it started out, I would just be standing next to my bed. My consciousness would be outside of my body and I'd be looking at my body. And then sometimes that same thing would occur. I'd be on the ceiling. Sometimes I'd be on the roof. Sometimes I'd literally be outside. And what I started to realize is these things were literally occurring. I wasn't trying to make it happen. It would just happen. Once I was outside of my body, you know, my spirit, I, I realized quick that I, I, I didn't have to be uh, trapped by just my neighborhood. So in other words, I could literally leave earth. I could leave this realm. And to be more specific, I could leave this frequency, this reality, and literally explore the multiverse. And I would do this as a, as a kid. Um, and I think part of it is because I, I, I didn't have any sort of identification with being human or with my body. I was still so accustomed to being pure spirit as a little kid. And, and I think I am just unusual in general too. So this just naturally occurred. And I had been doing this really my whole life. Uh, I kind of shut it down for a while, picked it back up again at, at 24 years old. And really the last, I guess I'm now I'm dating myself, right? 26 years since next, I'm 50. Um, I've been teaching it. Uh, but now the specifics, the really the higher consciousness metaphysics or spiritual physics of self-healing and self-realization, it's just interesting how it also relates to Tesla in terms of vibration, frequency, and energy. And so when you are able to tap into yourself, the sentience, the soul, which is the supreme vibration, by tapping into that and attuning your conscious mind and therefore your body to that supreme vibration, it's impossible for disharmony to exist within a truly harmonious environment. And that's part of the fundamental understanding of how I was able to uh, put myself back together. Right. And I think we're finding out more and more that we are all just really kind of tightly compact frequencies vibrating at, you know, certain levels. Um, and I, it's interesting to me to read your story because I think we, and I guess the age that you were describing is like five, six, seven at, at that point, or maybe a little older like 10, 11, 12 to be able to, to do that? No, I, it was actually, I started at four cause I can, I can remember the first time it happened and it continued for, for years, for years, but it, four years old is when it started. Right. I, I mean, I've, ex and I think I, this is interesting because I want to be able to really grasp this because I think if you talk to a lot of people, they probably push it down and don't want to be public about it, having these kind of experiences. But I think a lot of people have because I've had experiences of feeling like I was coming out of my body. I was trying to be in a meditative state. I was only, I think, 16 or 17, kind of experimenting with yoga and meditation. And when I felt that happen, I immediately got scared and kind of snapped back in because I didn't know what it was. And also when you're describing that, 
in between state, between sleep and consciousness, I've felt like touching on my face or have heard, mm -hmm. you know, words in my ear, speaking in my ear. And then when I try to remember it or respond, I'll kind of come back to this place of consciousness where I am now. So I really do believe that those multiverses and different levels of consciousness do exist. We're just taught to either fear it, ignore it, or not learn about it. So that, that thought you, I think your book is so interesting from really for really diving into this and trying to explain it in a way that's easily understandable, which I, I think, I mean, it does take a little bit to wrap your head around some of the stuff in the book, you know, and really understand it, but I don't think it's written in like a hard, a hard to explain way. Um, and I want to talk about the technique. So what you introduced us in the book is the ascending the frequencies healing technique is what you're calling it. So in essence, are we trying to raise our, our vibration to be able to access these states of consciousness, to be able to do this healing work? Is that what, what you're trying to teach? Yeah, it's twofold. Yeah. So, um, one way that I'll describe it is that my understanding is that the order of creation is desire, intention, thought, emotion, action, and then behavior. So that is my tangible understanding of the order of creation. Those are also descendant in frequency. So what that means is desire and intention is a higher frequency and energy in a higher frequency is more potent and has a greater impact upon lower frequency energy. So when we're operating within the, the desire and intention realms or frequencies, when we harness ourselves to our desire and intention, it greatly impacts the thought, emotion, action, and behavior realm. So if you relate that to healing, okay, healing starts before you even think. Healing starts before belief. Okay, I know that's sort of popular, but I would say it's spiritual fiction. Healing actually occurs prior to, prior to belief, prior to concepts, prior to thought, emotion, action, and behavior. So it's by operating within your pure desire and intention, you're operating at a higher frequency. That greatly impacts the frequential step down, which includes all the way down to your physical body. So that's one understanding that I think is, is important. The, the second thing is, as we touched earlier, Diane, about meditation. Okay. What human beings are about to realize, and hopefully this book really in introduces a way to, to do a repeatable and robust process to be able to do this, is that you can think of a high rise as an analogy. Okay. So right now you and I and, and everyone else, <clears throat> we're on the bottom three floors of the high rise. Okay. And those, kind, those three floors, what we call the third dimension, they kind of band together into one thing, into one large thing. And we call this 3D reality. They're actually frequencies because energy exists within frequency. Dimensions house frequencies. So for us to raise our frequency, and as we talked about either, as the frequency rises, disharmony cannot exist in a harmonious state. The higher the frequency, the more harmonious. It's kind of, you could even think of it as getting closer and closer to the source point of all existence by going up in frequency. So as we go up in frequency through meditation, our body of energy, including our body, literally has no recourse but to start to cleanse and heal itself. It, can't, it cannot fight it, if that even makes sense. We raise our frequency, the body starts to repair itself. And just like the studies are proving, 
with just, I'll call it regular meditation, uh, regular meditation, you can do almost magic by through meditation. Well, deeper, more powerful states of meditation. It only stands to reason that the efficacy of our self-healing is increased by an order of magnitude. And this is, those two things are really the foundational understandings of the Ascend of Frequencies Healing Technique. Right. It's fascinating what you're saying, because I've read some studies where our body, like say if you're in a car and you're, you see that you're going to be in an accident, right before that moment of impact, your body is already moving to possibly heal, right? You know, your the, the cells, uh, healing cells kind of in preparation for what might happen. So your body can do that. I, I do believe that. And I, th- I just think people have a hard time grasping or understanding when you say, raise your frequency, like, how can I do that? Do I just go, mm, you know, like, <laughs> like stress really hard or what will I feel when that happens? Okay. Yeah. That's, it's a good question, Diane. So I'll, I'll use another analogy because I have to use, first off, I like analogies and two, it's how else do you, <laughs> how do you describe the unexplainable, right? So you have to use analogies. Yes. Okay. So if you think of a radio, right? Radio, we're only tuned. You can only listen to one station at a time, but yet if you have a satellite radio, there's thousands of stations playing thousands of songs concurrently right now, but you can only experience one station at a time. Okay. So our brain is attuned to the three lower frequencies that I talked about within the high rise. So that is the only quote unquote reality that we can experience because our, our form factor, our body is attuned to those frequencies and a part of those frequencies. It's literally part of it, right? So, but just like a radio, if you turn the dial and you go up in frequency, all of a sudden you'll hear a different song. Right. So we do this through meditation. It's called changing the electromagnetic frequency of your brain through meditation. So as you rise in frequency, you can actually experience and will experience different states of consciousness and different realities. Just like by turning the dial on your radio station, you'd hear a different song. This is part of how we can explore our own consciousness and also the greater reality at the exact same time. It's not forced it's just the opposite. If anything, it's a total surrender, total relaxation. Just like when you sit down and you give yourself permission to relax. Meditation kind of works the same way. You give yourself permission to be totally present and totally relax. And then I just developed a couple of techniques and a way to use your energy to actually turn your own internal dial. So instead of using of our, our energy to think and emote and animate the body, the book and the course shows you how to use that very same energy to actually turn your own dial and raise it up and you experience higher states of consciousness. And through these higher states of consciousness, you have much more command and control over your own healing. And that's really the key. It's pretty incredible when you can get to that state. And like I said, I've only been, I guess I would call myself not a proficient meditator. I think it's just that's why they call a practice. You just have to continue to do it at a regular pace all the time. But I have been into a situation where it was a group meditation where I was still sitting in meditation, but I had gotten up and left the room. It was like I was already mm-hmm. ahead of myself in time. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw that happen and it, I can't even explain it. It's like, it was a bizarre, a bizarre thing. But you can learn to build yourself up to get get to those states. And you say something interesting in the book that this technique that you're teaching people, this healing technique, 
that they'll be able to access has up until now only been available outside of the collective consciousness. And I'm really interested in the collective consciousness because I, I know it's definitely there, you know, how people are able to say, Oh, I was thinking of this song. Oh, I was too. You know, somehow you accidentally will vibe with that person in those situations, or, you know, someone's going to call that kind of thing. So there is that web, but what you're teaching us is to get outside of that web of, of collection, right? Yeah. Essentially what we're doing is we're going to rise above those bottom three floors that we talked about at the high rise. And those bottom three floors is where all the beliefs, the concepts and the ideologies that we've formed our reality from. Okay. Through identification with specific beliefs, concepts, ideologies, and so-called knowledge. So we form a conceptualized reality based upon what's available to us within these bottom three floors. But that completely ignores the other 396 floors, by the way, that exist within the multiverse. So we have no access to any of this stuff when we are simply completely identifying with what exists within the bottom three floors, because that's what the body is attuned to. So by surpassing that or leaving that behind, and that's where this technique was birthed or created or given to me, which is really all the same thing, really, um, you start to, you're, you're able to pierce the veil so to speak, and you can access the realm of true wisdom in terms of in terms of what is, how physics actually work, well beyond just five sensory perceptions. So by being able to tap into this, it sort of released all this wisdom and knowledge that was forever sitting there. But because we were too wrapped up in the thoughts, beliefs, and concepts that we've identified with that we form our reality, these things become ignored. And What's also super important to understand, which is why I spent a great deal in the beginning of the book talking about what I call the ego mind identity and what it is and how it's a limitation program that runs by thinking based upon beliefs, concepts, and ideologies, is that those are just beliefs, concepts, and ideologies. They are not what is. They're just beliefs, concepts, and ideologies. And our consciousness cannot evolve any further. By focusing on things outside of ourselves, like beliefs, concepts, and ideologies. And this book is the introduction in terms of how to go within to the self, to the soul, what I call sentience, and be able to birth, give a rebirth your own higher consciousness so you can go outside of the limitations that are inherent within just the first three frequencies that are filled with beliefs, concepts, and ideologies that have nothing to do with what is. And that's why you say in the book that really the key to unlocking our healing potential is surrender. And that's so hard for us to do, right? Well, we're programmed. So this is all conditioning. When you come here and it's through incarnation, this is what happens, right? You become completely attuned to just the bottom three floors of this high rise that I'm talking about. And then just the information that's here. And so we lose sight of where we come from. We lose sight of where we originate from. We lose sight of what we really are. We lose, we lose connection with our own innate ability, our own higher consciousness. We completely ignore it and reduce ourselves to body consciousness, what I call body consciousness, because it's just the five sensory perceptions. And that data stream that comes in is what forms the intellect. It's infinitesimal. It's like one radio station, but there's thousands of stations playing right now. And we're only listening to one. And we think that's the only genre of music and the only song that exists. And it, nothing could be further from the truth. And it's the same thing in terms of what, what it was tapped into that became the Ascend the Frequencies Healing Technique. It is a much, much deeper 
and more holistic understanding of ourselves and the greater reality. And because it's a more holistic understanding of ourself, those limitations that are inherent within the first three floors, beliefs, concepts, and ideologies, are obliterated. They're left behind. Hence, I was able to do things with my body that would seem absolutely impossible. But it clearly is not. And the people that I've helped with these exact same teachings have made remarkable, absolutely remarkable recoveries because they're not operating within the limitations of the agreed upon beliefs, concepts, and ideologies of this realm. And that's why you talk about surrender. And when you're working with these people in that mindset, how long does it take? Or is it, I mean, I'm sure it's individual for each person to try to remove yourself from being so attached because we're, I guess it's what from birth to age six, we're kind of moldable and open-minded and, and we're not as attached to what society, family, you know, everybody's telling us we should be that we're, that this is all we are, these carbon-based shells, you know, husks of a body. Yeah, what I think is really interesting about what you just said, Diane, is that it is my uh, direct understanding that absolutely right, up until about age six and sometimes up to age seven, our, our quote unquote personality is very moldable and it's still forming. Okay, so what I experience is that I call this the um, how sort of deeply identified we're going to be with the physical form. So I call it immersion full immersion all the way to detachment. So let me give an example, because metaphysically, this is what's really happening. But from a human perspective, we call it the personality. So from a metaphysical or higher consciousness perspective, what is happening is that the soul is determining through birth to about age seven, how immersed it wants to have this incarnation. So full immersion would be total identification that we are the body and the finite mind and nothing else. We're not spirit, there's no energy, there's nothing that exists beyond that. So I would call that full immersion. Uh, The polar opposite of that would be total detachment. So this would be there's just no identification with the body. You are consciously aware that you are spirit inside a body and that this is a temporary experience and, and that you exist above and beyond everything that's here. Now, there's an endless gradient between those two extremes, right? So, but I would say that the more that we go towards the detachment, and I don't mean full detachment, I don't mean you have to totally lose your mind, right? But full detachment allows you to detach from your body. And now there's no longer the identification with being sick. And Diane, once we get a little space between ourself and the body, that's the room that we can work in. So this is really essential in terms of healing. You don't have to become self-realized and enlightened to heal yourself. It's not, it's not that. We're going to take a short break. This is so fascinating. I'm talking with RJ Spina about his book, Supercharged Self-Healing, available right now. We'll be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. 
Welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming back after the break and joining me talking with RJ Spina about his new book, Supercharged Self-Healing. And in the previous segment, just really getting into some fascinating stuff here, I wanted to ask you, you made a statement about when we incarnate into this, into this life. So just to explain your belief, do you believe that we choose our incarnation? We choose, I'm coming as the daughter of this person, this person to learn this thing. Do you believe that's self-determined? Uh, yeah, it's, and I would say it's not a belief. It's what I'm able to experience directly. So absolutely, there's, there's a litany of things that we choose prior to uh, uh, incarnation or really reincarnation. And four of those things I'll just touch upon here. And I'll probably address more of those in, a, in, a, in additional books. But four things that we choose prior to coming back is we choose what I call the form factor or body type. Okay, so for you and I, we chose a human form factor to incarnate into. We choose the frequency, okay, just like we talked about the third floor, right? We could have chosen the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, et cetera, et cetera. So we choose form factor, frequency. We choose what I call the timeline. So you can think of timeline as 21st century, or we could have incarnated into the 6th century or the 38th century. Because when you're above space-time, you can project into any one of those things. It's not linear in any way, shape, or form. That's just how we process reality here. And then the other thing that we choose amongst many, but the top four that I like to talk about, the fourth one is you choose literally what team you want to play for. And when I say that, we can think of good guys and bad guys. We can think of the people that are working towards expansion of consciousness, love, unity, deeper, deeper holistic understanding and compassion, wisdom, or the contraction of those things, which would be more sort of selfish, ego-mind, identity-based sort of behaviors. So those four things, amongst others, we choose. So there's really no such thing as victimhood. That does, the victimhood only exists within an unawakened mind. We are truly an immortal creator being, and we truly co-create every single experience that we ever have. There's no such thing as random that does not exist. So even though, like you said, we may have chosen a, a different team, essentially good or bad, because we do have free will of choice when we're here, I mean, we can alter those realities. Like, you know, you're you're brought up, you're given challenges, you get into crime, fall in with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. At, at essence, you're still a good, pure human being, right? At I, know, I guess <laughs> trying to figure out the good and the bad, right? Well, yeah, good and bad is only a only a human perspective because as you rise up above, you just see experience. You don't label it good or bad. So, from being able to access these states of consciousness, I would never label things good or bad, right or wrong. But from a human perspective, it's easier for for people to understand if I say good or bad. Uh, in terms of the example, Diane, I would even say that those people that will, will say start off in the wrong way, so to speak and then come to some, some, some sort of epiphany or realization. And it, I would say that was always the plan. So in other words, they gave themselves experiences of being the quote unquote bad guy, so to speak. So they could then turn the corner and experience their true nature, which is to be the good guy. And all of these things are mapped out. So this is part of the life plan itself. And the life plan you could think of as just data points along a timeline, certain experiences that we're gonna have that we literally map 
that we literally map out, that we create. So since we can create our existence at any moment, and, and you write about this in the book, you say an important thing to remember is that the egoic identity is what's having the poor quality of life. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. So what we are, okay, we can use the word soul if we like, right? Although I, I, give, a, I give a much more accurate definition of what the soul is in that book. But for now, we use the word soul. So what we really are is untouched by the human condition, okay? And I'll give an example, another one of my silly analogies that I like to use. Okay, <laughs> so we think of the sun, right? Okay, the giver of all life in the entire universe. No, no life exists without the sun, right? Okay, well, we've all seen clouds go in front of the sun and it blocks the sun. We can't even see the sun, right? The sun is temporarily obfuscated by the clouds. Okay, that doesn't mean the sun doesn't exist. That doesn't mean the sun isn't there. And those clouds don't touch the sun. They don't affect the sun whatsoever, right? And what do clouds produce? Rain, sleet, snow, right? Okay. So what we are, the soul, is the sun. And what's temporarily obfuscated or in front of it is this body. And what does the body-mind produce? Thoughts, emotions, actions, and behaviors, just like rain, sleet, and snow, right? So the body and what it produces, just like clouds and what they produce, are, are just simply temporary obfuscations of what's really there and what really gives birth to everything. The sun gives birth to everything, but there's no life without the sun. And same with your soul. There's no human incarnation or any kind of incarnation without the soul. And whatever is happening with the clouds or with the body and the mind, it doesn't touch the soul. What we all are is divine, perfect, and immortal. There's just a temporary obfuscation. And because we lose ourselves in this obfuscation, the ego mind identity and what I call personhood, then we lose connection to this divinity, to this peace, to this immortality. And then we get caught up. And by getting caught up, we actually suffer. But what we really are, just like the sun, is untouched forever. So when you're working with someone, uh, a client or someone has taken your course how do you take people out of that blaming of themselves that, okay, I, I'm dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Is this because I was identifying too much with my ego? Did I cause this? The, so I like to say that, uh, and we touched upon this earlier, Diane, when I said there really is no good, bad, right, or wrong. That's just from a human perspective. So everything is just experience. And I can tell you, God welcomes all experience. Because that's how it learns about itself. It welcomes all experience. It's not like, oh, I only want this or I only want that. That is not how things actually work. That's a limited mind assigning sort of qualities to things. So whether it's cancer or paralysis or, I mean, you name it, right? It's just an experience. That's all it is. It's not good or bad. It's an experience. And just like the clouds, right? Eventually, the clouds part. And what is revealed is the sun. So eventually for all of us, and this happens through healing or authentic liberation or self-realization of what we call enlightenment, this will happen for all of us because the truth of the matter is we are the sun. We are the soul. So whatever the body is experiencing, it doesn't really matter. It's not really a big deal. And we don't need to make a big deal about it. And I think when we start to view things more accurately in that way, it, it makes things much lighter. Uh, nothing is serious. I mean, I never joked about my paralysis even when I was paralyzed. I mean, that's all I did was joke about it, to, to be honest. That's all I ever did. Because if I made it heavy, it would have been more difficult to transcend. So I wasn't going to make my job harder. 
So I used to make fun, crack jokes all the time. I still do. I love to, I love to joke around. So it doesn't matter what's really happening. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It's an experience. And remember what you really are is the sun, is the soul. And eventually through adhering to these teachings, you will be able to part the clouds and the truth about you will be revealed. And for people to really get the full benefit of these teachings, which you say are available to anybody, we all have this innate ability. Is it better to have a belief in God? What if you just don't have a belief? Yeah. Yeah. So the book for me is what exists outside of all belief. So everything that I write about is what I tangibly experience. So so in other words, maybe what we should do now, let's, let's give a definition of belief. So I, cause I think that'll be helpful. Okay. So for me, okay. A belief by definition is anything whose landing spot lies outside of the self. Okay. So as an example, I believe in a heaven out there. Okay. Beliefs are disempowering by definition because the energy is leaving you and the landing spot is outside of yourself. Okay. So in that understanding, all, all beliefs are false because there is nothing outside of yourself because you are actually everything. You actually contain everything. God is within your consciousness, not outside of your consciousness. Our senses go outward, but the source point of everything is within. So when we start to work with what things really are and we put the beliefs, the concepts, the ideologies away, because you can't evolve or heal yourself through belief concepts or ideologies, you start to realize true metaphysics and how things actually actually work. So beliefs are completely disempowering. Faith is the opposite of, of belief. Faith is the inner recognition of something deep within you that's even greater than you. And that's within. And that's why people can heal themselves through faith, which is why I talk about how to use faith for healing and why I also talk about how you can't use beliefs to heal yourself at all because anything that's outside of yourself is just a state of delusion. And that makes total sense because if you think about it, a lot of beliefs take root out of fear, right? Or just something that you're learning as a child and, well, my dad said it must be true. So you accept it until you get old enough to to question it. And it what you're saying is so interesting because I've heard from other other teachers, people that work in, in different realms, some mediums where even people that are atheists that have no belief in an afterlife, when they're, when they're contacted in that realm, they'll say, well, I, I didn't believe it, but it happened anyway. You know, like, <laughs> like this, this is the case, even though I might on this, on this level of consciousness, I didn't believe any of this was possible. Yeah. But here it is. You yeah. Know? I mean, so the reason why we use beliefs, concepts, and ideologies is because where we originate from is much higher up in that high rise that I, that I was alluding to. Okay. So when we are projected down, so to speak, uh, in frequency and dimension, right? What essentially is happening, we're losing consciousness. We're losing our normal holistic state of ourself and our environment. So as we're losing this consciousness, as we're coming down dimensionally and frequentially, we're no longer directly connected to what we are and where we come from. And so we don't know who we are, why we got here, what we're supposed to do, and what this is all about. So what do we do? Because we don't know. We make it up. We use beliefs. And beliefs, concepts, and ideologies are, are simply there because we've lost connection to what is. 
So we tell stories and we call these things beliefs, concepts, and ideologies. But all they do is really prevent the direct connection to who and what you really are, which is why we have to put, we have to put these toys aside if we want to actually realize ourselves, heal ourselves, and there's no evolution of consciousness by focusing on something that is not within you. And that's why I talk about we have to put these, put these things aside, but they're here because we can't remember. We're not accessing directly, and the book changes that. So what are we left with? We're left with just beliefs. We're left with stories. We're left with wondering. And you can't heal through that, and you can't become self-realized or enlightened through those things either. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, the steps in the book, you outline seven, and we, we don't have to go through all of them. But when you're working with someone with these, with these concepts, how long should they work with each step? Is it individual mm-hmm. for every person? Or is have you noticed kind of a timeline with that? Yeah, that's a good question. So everyone is different. Right. So, and I'm just going to draw an analogy. Some people say, like, if you went to a personal trainer and you said, Hey, I, I want to lose 20 pounds and I, I want to get in shape or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Right. Some people might be able to do that in two weeks. They might, right. Some people might take two or three months. It just, it just depends. They have different body types, right. There's different level of effort, all these kind of things. And so it's different for everyone, but I, in a general, what I tell everyone to do is, 45 minutes to an hour of working on yourself properly, which is what this book teaches you to do it, to do it properly. The, the results are incredible because we don't work with ourselves in this way, in this realm. And as soon as we do it, it, it it's tangible. I mean, people feel different in seconds because they're, they're working with themselves in a way that they, they've never worked with themselves before. So if we look at 45 minutes to an hour a day, uh, we get great results. The beauty of these things, these the, the steps or the protocols or the exercises, however you want to say it, they're effortless. So we're working with energy, our own energy. This is not about, you know, go go run 10 miles or, you know, go bench press 200 pounds or anything. Go run an obstacle course. This is all has to do with just energy. I used, I would do these things when I was in the rehab. I mean, where was I going to go? I was paralyzed, right? So, but I would do that. I would do these things in the rehab. I would do them all day. With no break. I mean, I would just keep doing it over. I would just stay in this higher state of consciousness, moving my energy constantly. I mean, I had to. So you don't get tired from doing this. You only feel better and better and better the more you do it. So 45 minutes to an hour a day yields incredible results. When you start going past that, you start making this like your natural state of being, there is nothing that can't be accomplished because now you're working with the truth. You're working with the immortal creator self and your body of energy. You can create anything for yourself when you work, when you work with yourself in this way. It's really exciting as you get more into the book and start reading about some of the steps and what's really possible that we can do, because I think people are not used to, well, obviously they're not used to thinking about a lot of these concepts, thinking about that we really have this power, but specifically like the last two steps I thought were interesting where step six, you can turn off the program of illness. And I've read that there's like for, let me, I'll use, for example, people that are diagnosed with the BRCA one gene for breast cancer. I I could have that right now. Maybe I do because there is cancers in my family. It's whether or not that gene is activated if it's turned on or turned off. And 
So we do have that ability. We don't think we do. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was in step seven, use the power of the spoken word. Mm. I mean, how long has mantra been used in, in civilizations or sound healing? And people are really starting to take it a lot more seriously. And this was something that you worked with yourself. I mean, as you were doing the steps and kind of coming up with this protocol, you saw that these were two really important steps. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I would even say out of these seven, you you, you pick two good ones. Um, if if any per and the people that I've taught, anyone who masters, and I mean masters, just one step, you can't really be sick. You just can't by mastering one of them because you're totally commanding your energy. And the energy, that energy that we're commanding is the energy that informs uh, informs your physical body. So once you're commanding the energy that informs your physical body, your physical body has no choice but to obey what the, what the command is. So, And that's why mantras and affirmations work, right? So we're, we're changing the mind. We're, we're literally, I think it's called neuroplasticity, right, is the term that people use. This healing technique does that for your entire body of energy, not just your brain. That's why this is so effective. But by saying certain words to ourselves and we attune our mind to it, whatever conceptualized reality we create for ourselves, our body then has the tangible experience of that. That's very important to understand. That's the true mind-body connection in one sentence. So what we start saying to ourselves, obviously, right, the voice in our head, has the greatest impact upon the reality that we experience for ourselves. So if we start saying certain things to ourselves by using mantras, affirmations, and I'm a fan of commands, because a true immortal creator being commands. So when we start to use this, the body has no choice but to obey the command that is given. Just like when you send the electrical impulse to move your hands, like I'm doing right now, right? The body doesn't say no, right? It has no choice because it's, it's being spoken. It's being directed from what you really are and the body just obeys. So when we tap our higher consciousness and we're operating at that desire intention level that I talked about, which is that higher frequency, the body has no choice but to repair itself. It must. And I'm just one example of this. I'm an extreme example, which I'm glad because people need to see, well, what are the limitations with this? There are none. There are none. So when we start to work with ourselves in this way, the only reason why, Diane, that people think for themselves that this is impossible, because they've been told that. They've never tried to do it and they've never been taught properly. They've simply been told that it doesn't work this way. But they don't right. they don't know that because they haven't been taught properly and they haven't attempted to do it. So now, dare I say, they're being taught properly. And if they do that, they're going to get completely different results than what they were told is possible. Well, you even say in the book that doubt is what's going to just, you know, pull the rug out from all of the work that you may have previously done. And we are so quick to dismiss this as airy-fairy, woo, this isn't going to work. And ultimately, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because mm -hmm. then it will not, right? Yeah, that's how, that's how powerful a creator being we are. So the energy that we use to say, I can't, is the exact same energy you would use to say, I can. And working with these seven steps, I mean, people will go through, it's like a level, right? So people will kind of work through each one at the pace that they're able to master it. And the other step that intrigued me was step number three, 
in, and you talked about it a little bit in, in intention, mm-hmm. activating your healing intention. And other authors have written about this, Dr. Wayne Dyer, mm-hmm. Carlos Castaneda, the power of the sorcerer. And the, the main thing is your intention, mm-hmm. right? And that's what you had when you said, when you woke up, my intent is in a hundred days, I'm going to walk. And I was just hoping you could you know, expound a little bit about that, like how powerful intention really is. No, it's everything. Desire and intention, as we spoke about earlier, Diane, those are the, those are the two highest frequencies in terms of the order of creation. So think about that statement. The two most powerful highest frequencies in terms of creating is your desire and intention. So if you want to create most powerfully, you have to harness your desire and intention. Okay. So period, right? Okay. So let's look at desire and intention. I'll use an analogy because like I said, I like silly analogies. Okay. So let's use the idea of a GPS, okay? So you get in your car, you're gonna go to the store, right? So you set your GPS, right? Okay, you have no doubt that you're gonna get to the store, right? Because the GPS is set and every turn that you make is gonna get you closer to your destination. And at some point, by following your GPS, your intention, you will simply arrive at the store. Okay, use your desire and intention to heal yourself in the exact same way because it works the exact same way. If all of your energy is going in one direction, then eventually you have to end up there because all the energy is going in that direction. If you're following the GPS and you abide by the GPS, eventually you're going to show up at the store because you have to. Those are the directions that take you there. It's the same thing with healing and, believe it or not, self-realization and liberation. If you follow your desire and intention to heal yourself and to liberate yourself, and all of your energy is focused in that direction, then that reality will have to manifest itself because you're not creating any other reality. Does, does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, and yeah, I'm curious, you know, were, were you influenced or... You know, were there any teachers like that, like Dr. Dyer or people that were talking about these concepts that that you've studied that have influenced you in your in your own work? Yeah, oddly enough, uh, no. Uh, I, I'm just I'm just unusual, and um, dare I say, uh, I, I'm a teacher. You could even say I'm a teacher of teachers, if you like. So uh, these are all things I already knew. It was a remembrance, and I needed the experiences to wake me up. Because my own ego mind identity had control over my consciousness and my body of my body of energy, so it's through certain experiences where I would reach different different levels of what we'll call it self realization or awareness, and and just when you think you're, you're you know you've reached sort of this ultimate state of consciousness, there's there's something past that. By the way, no matter how evolved or advanced the soul is, there's always something beyond that. There's much beyond enlightenment, much. So I, I never really was interested, except trying to find my own voice and listening to myself because I knew it was already within me. I knew it was there. And luckily enough for me, I gave myself the ridiculous sort of experience of being totally paralyzed and really sick, which would force, which would force sort of my consciousness to awaken itself in order to be able to transcend this. So, and many years ago, I, 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 it's kind of funny. I still buy books and then I don't read them. It's, it's kind of, it's just sort of odd. I like having the energy of certain books around me, but I don't actually read them because I don't want them to somehow seep into my subconscious and then I would end up just regurgitating them. 
Okay. Well, I, I mean, I have a book addiction too. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> if you looked in my office, you'd see there's stacks, you know, and there are some that, that I do like uh, to have around me. I was just curious. And growing up, you didn't really have an established, like, you know, I grew up Catholic and we went to church and I had to do all the rituals and stuff like that. I mean, were you exposed to that as well? Yeah, I was raised uh, Catholic, uh, went to Catholic school until uh, until sixth grade, uh, received uh, communion at, at, at sixth grade. And I remember telling my parents, I said, okay, I did that for you. <laughs> okay. And now, you know, this is my life. So uh, I had a similar experience because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started asking questions, especially around my, my first communion where I said like, so Mary Magdalene was not Jesus girlfriend. There was mm. not that going on. They're like, what? So yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's been so cool to talk with you about these concepts. Like the, the time has flown by. And as this show airs, the book is available. And what do you hope that that happens? What do you hope people get from starting to work with these ideas? Freedom. Freedom from their own ego mind identity, freedom from their suffering, freedom from their limitations, freedom from their delusions, freedom than the idea that they're merely human, freedom from the idea that they're not immortal. The key is freedom because freedom is the nature of all existence itself. So what I want more for this realm and everyone here is for them to realize their own freedom. And their only bondage is realizing that they're not already and eternally free. And so hopefully these teachings bring them back into contact with their own true freedom, their own true state of consciousness. Perfect. Really fascinating stuff. I'm loving it. And let me get your website out there. What's the best place for people to find you? If people want to sign up and get a free guide to these, what I call magic tricks, and, and I promise you they're real magic tricks, uh, go to superchargedselfhealing.com and you can download a free guide to some of these uh, unusual things that I teach. And then my website is ascendthefrequencies.com. If you're desirous of working with me, taking a course, taking a class, getting a healing, and my email is rj at ascendafrequencies.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, RJ, for joining me today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Diane. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again. Don't take your dreams lying down.